got a beard and it's looking something fierce Having beers with my peers and talking rap careers Reflecting on the years, connecting on the tears Shipwreck faith ain't always as appears I'm bringing you fresh music, I'm bringing fresh ideas I'm bringing you the dudes in the indie music beers Chilling at the shows and talking about the pain With people who learned how to face it and be sane Sipping on a brew, doing interviews No topics off the table but we focus on breakthroughs So kick up your feet, we're gonna put it in check You're listening to bruise beards and shipwrecks One, two, one, two, a mic check Stone bands, royal ruckus on the scene Just to announce We got the brews, we got the beards Tasty interviews for your ears to hear One, two, one, two, a mic check Stone bands, royal ruckus on the scene Just to announce We got the brews, we got the beards Tasty interviews for your ears to hear Welcome to this episode of Brews, Beers, and Shipwrecks. I'm your host, Jamie Bennett, also known as Chun Jay from Royal Ruckus, and I'm here with my homeboy. It's me! It's me, Flatline! <laughs> What's going on, man? Hey, Dad, it's me, Mike Walker, a.k.a. Flatline, a.k.a. MP Walker, here for oh, another thanks. one of them nice podcast episodes. Man, I love having you on the show. It's, it's, it's always more fun with you anyway. It's like an excuse to catch up, but like it's, it's you yeah. know. <laughs> but like we get to talk about cool stuff and share it with other people. I like that. So uh, so you're you're sitting in Austin, Texas right now. I'm here in Boca Raton, Florida. I'm, I'm sitting at the R1 Coffee Company. They've got several locations and a small amount of space, but uh, this seems to be like a real nice one to kind of get a little quiet space at the end of the day. Um, so I'm sitting here sipping on some uh, nice. Brazilian coffee. What are you up to? So I actually just got off work, worked my morning shift at Epoch Coffee here in Austin, Texas. I live right in the neighborhood, so I walked home. Nice. Uh, I'm now just actually chilling in uh, in my little home studio. Uh, I think we could probably call this like the fifth or sixth iteration of the Fiesta <laughs> Terrace. For sure. Um, which I'm still holding on to as the name. Um, you should explain uh, that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. It's inside uh, joke, you know? <laughs> it's, a very, it's very inside. Uh, this would be a reference to a, like, season two Simpsons <laughs> episode, maybe, season yeah, three, sure. uh, where a gentleman, a foreign gentleman, is wooing uh, Marge away from Homer and invites her over to his apartment, but he doesn't say come over to my apartment. He says come over to the Fiesta Terrace uh, because he has yes, he gave right. his apartment a name. Yeah, boy. <laughs> Your laughter is like music to me, but if you laugh at what I say next, I will die, for I am about to say something very serious, perhaps shocking. Marge, my darling, I want you to meet with me again. That doesn't shock me. Away from prying eyes, away from the heavens of the world. At my apartment, the Fiesta Terrace. <gasps> Which is yeah. funny, because that's like what rich people do for their mansions. Like... I've been waiting for you. Come in, my captivating one. May I have this stand? Sure. Like, uh, you know, know, any big mansion that you know around uh, the country tends to be called, you know, the whatever. We've got Mount Vernon, uh, George Washington in in, uh, Washington, D.C. We've got, uh, yeah, like, uh, yeah, exactly. So uh, that being said, Fiesta Terrace was a great name, a solid ref to a great uh, TV show that influenced our lives. 
and uh, is now the everlasting name of uh, wherever you and I record when we do home recording. Yeah, and what, what's what's fun about it for me to to think about is like also uh, another strand is like a lot of um, the rappers we knew uh, were starting to like oh, yeah. name their recording spaces. That's right. You know, st- studios have names too, right? So yeah, then these exactly. rap- rappers start naming their freaking closet something you know that sounds yeah. incredible and amazing, like a world class studio. <laughs> like. <laughs> this is just a closet. <laughs> it's just a closet. It's just a closet. Yeah, so, I mean, my home studio totally, is a, uh, a third totally of my fun. bedroom. So. Yeah, and and uh, you know, I've I've started calling um, just casually. I've started calling my current apartment uh, a Fiesta Terrace um, because I well, yeah, for the, exactly for the first time, I uh, I have actually like a a specific recording space in my apartment because it's Ooh, that's it's tight. Yeah, I mean, not that I do much in there, but it, I've got this great walk-in closet that's like the perfect size for a vocal booth. And so I finally have it organized after a couple of years in this apartment. I've got, finally got it organized enough that it can be continuously a vocal booth. So anytime I need to cut some quick vocals, I just hop in there and do it. So I started calling that the Fiesta Terrace, too. Well, that, uh, but can, well, that, but can that there be more than to, one? Uh... No, it's the campus. Uh, you know, that being said, uh, this would be the Austin campus, and yours would be the uh, the Boca Raton Love campus. It. I mean, Love there there's a handful of like professional uh, studios that actually have more than one physical location, and they'll. Yeah, so right. I feel like uh, I feel like we can we can copy that as well. We've got the Austin Fiesta Terrace. I love hosted it. by hosted by Flatline. We've got the Florida one with uh, with uh, Chen Jing. <laughs> So, uh, so we're here today to talk about something that's been uh, on my mind for. Gosh, I I didn't even write down when it came out, but I guess this it's been like two months since. Yeah, I've actually I've got all the facts. Oh, you have the facts. Then why don't you? I do have the facts. Yeah. So, uh, Weezer out of nowhere on uh, January twenty fourth released the Teal album, which is an album strictly of cover songs. Um, which mm-hmm. really piqued our interest. Weezer is a band that was very important to us in our formative years. Their Seriously. sense of humor uh, is is very much uh, emulated by us in our sense of humor on recordings. Yeah, um, yeah, sure. I, I feel like they probably have a similar relationship with their fan base in that their fan yeah. base has been with them for a long time and they like them no matter what. Um and uh and are interactive and are interactive with them uh on social media. Um so this was like really fun to see an album come out by Weezer. Um that you know they didn't announce it was, it was just dropped. Um yeah. and it happened to be another self-titled it's their Teal album. They're they're pictured on the front of the album just like they are on their their debut album uh self-titled the blue album. Um but yeah. they're dressed up like maybe they are hanging out in uh, Miami in the late eighties. Yeah, I'm um, totally judging by their like colors and Miami Vice look for sure. Yeah, all the yeah, truck so and tubs. It's definitely not the first time they have emulated their debut album um, artwork and you know named their de- the, named their album self titled, aka right. the whatever color album. Um, so th- you know them doing that is also fun to be like, okay, what are these guys up to? Now I'll be honest, I haven't been a huge fan of their modern recordings. I don't own sure. anything past Green Album um, okay. as far as like uh, physical copy I've spent money on to own 
Right. Um, and uh, generally, all my favorite songs of theirs are off their first three to five albums. I mean, there's a couple bangers, or sure. songs that I love that are like just one-offs on some of the early 2000s albums. Um, I'm actually, I, I actually want to comment on that because I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. Uh, I wasn't sure what your relationship was with their music after Pinkerton. Um, be, because, uh, you know, it, it's become like a cliche, a tired cliche in the world of people who care about Weezer, right? That there's the Blue Album and the Pinkerton Album and then everything else is dead to me. Um, yeah. But, you know, and, that was like and, a and joke. I, and, I, and I get that. Well. I mean, those those are two very freaking solid albums. And, of course, there is that whole thing where, you know, people slept on Pinkerton. I, I, I was a late adopter on Pinkerton, I'm not going to lie. You know, like... I am one of the oh, people yeah. that came later. That I didn't get Pinkerton when I first heard it. Um, and but no, I didn't actually understand what I was listening to. I w- I'd fall in love with the Blue Album, and then I went to what Blockbuster Music or whatever it was called at the time, mm-hmm. um, sure. or by East Hills Mall. And uh, I listened. <laughs> I listened to the first track, "Tired of Sex." And for one thing, the subject matter I didn't understand because I was still a child. You know, sure. this whole album was about like breakups or you know about sexual relationships or this, that, and the other. And um, so, like, I actually wasn't that into it uh, until maybe, like, maybe within the next year or two, I actually heard okay. the song um, uh, Good Life on the radio in okay. Seattle when I was visiting family. And I was like, I was like, oh, this is a really fun song. Uh, I didn't realize it was Weezer at the time. <laughs> and then I found out it was Weezer. And I was like, oh, I should probably get back into into Weezer and listen to Pinkerton. Mind you, this was like... In the grand scheme of things, it wasn't that long after Pinkerton came out. And when I really, sure. and probably even you and I, when we both got into Pinkerton, it relatively probably actually hadn't been out all that long. We were just asleep sure. to, like, picking it up as soon as it came out and falling in love with the new Weezer album. But I think we're, everyone was still kind of, like, cautious about who they even were. All they had was right. Right. one amazingly well-produced recorded album Oh yeah, um, and that was, and that's all we had to go on. So, well, and the, and the, and the blue album was was a game changer. I mean, when when it dropped in the mid '90s or whatever, wherever you know, there was nothing out like it. And it uh, no, like, at least at least not in the mainstream for sure. And um and like it was a smash hit in like almost a really unexpected way, at least to me. And in hindsight, looking at like the other acts that were out at the time, I mean, they were just they were just on that next level, you know. Yeah. And P- that was Pinkerton rock was and roll more... wasn't coming out. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And 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 I think too, like on on like the hip hop front, what I was listening to back then, like hip hop was actually going through some growing pains. And the sound was, in in a lot of ways, kind of uh, not not to be appreciated too much. Um, yeah. So I, I I feel like you know Weezer came out uh, at a time where like the musically like the culture was hungry for good stuff. Um, yeah, they, big they, time. It got soaked up fast. That whole album was just like immediately seriously. was woo, really smooth. Yeah, and 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 then they they also had like the quirky you know music videos and stuff that go with things. Like they brought a whole package to the table, and then I don't think people were ready for Pinkerton because it no. it was so different. And I don't wanna be no man anymore. And I hear what's inside 
but freaking brilliant. I mean, it's it's definitely like an album for me that that I can I can put on and sing along to. Um, whereas later later albums, um, I think I counted like thirteen albums is what they have in their discography now. And yeah, I, if you count the one that just dropped earlier this month, which I have not listened yeah. to at all, <laughs> the Black Album. Uh, I think that's what it's called. Is it the Black Album? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I, you know, I'm actually, uh, I'm a bit overwhelmed, uh, honestly, about how much music they have post pink, uh, right. post green, green album, honestly. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I was so excited for them when they, uh, when they reunited, um, they got a new bass player after Matt Sharp left, uh, went on to oh, yeah, yeah. work with the, the rentals, um, sure. and so on. Um, Got a new bass player, Rivers, got finished up college, put, got the band back together, put out an album, um, and it's pretty solid. Like, Green Album is great. Uh, yeah. I can sing along to, like, pretty much the whole album, but you can definitely hear where they're going and how it, impl- oh, how it yeah, like, sure. was the first step to how they sound today. Like, production-wise, yeah. vocal-wise, song- songwriting-wise... some elements of it that reminded me of the Blue Album, a little bit of Pinkerton, yeah. but um, I, I could tell uh, they were kind of going in a different direction, um, and that was yeah. like very clear when Maladroit came out, and I just did not oh, connect yeah, with sure. it at all. Um, like everyone, well, you know, including yourself, a lot of people enjoyed the album and, and purchased it, and, but like it just, it was not... The singles that I was exposed to just weren't yeah. enough to get me into it. Well, so so my my thoughts on Maladroit though are um, to me it's out of the first four. Like I definitely did not enjoy the direction they were going as much as I enjoyed the previous three albums. But um, you know I I still have a fondness for it, and and part of it I think was. Uh, just what we were up to. I mean, we were working on our Flickr record when when that was out. So that was something I was listening to when we were working, like it, during a very like fun season of our life. So yeah. I have like really good memories of it, but honestly, I don't listen. I can't remember the last time I I listened to anything off there except maybe um, you know Hashpipe. Editor's note: Hashpipe is actually on the Green Album. <laughs> Um, but that's a hit that, like, everybody, it, I don't think I even voluntarily listen to it. It just comes on when I'm out, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's still, a, that's still a poppy song. Yeah, and then, like, uh, I, I, maybe it was an album or two after that, Keep Fishing, uh, the single Keep Fishing came out, and the video yeah. was felt like, it, it felt like, um, I mean, I, I'm that song, and that video really kind of felt like a throwback to the Blue Album days because the song was so, like, pretty and poppy. Um, sure. It has two different time signatures, um, or it goes from, like, a swingy beat to just a straight-up four, you know, uh, straight, you know, four, uh, you know, rock and roll um, 
beat, and uh, the video is them on The Muppet Show with all of Jim Henson's puppets <laughs> uh, guest starring, and it's really oh great. Goodness. It's like they're they're the music musical act on The Muppet Show uh, as it existed, you know, back when That's we were kind game. of amazing. Um, and so I thought that was really cool. Um, uh, I totally followed nothing they did after that. They put out some song called like Pork and Beans. Was the music video was like a was pretty much yeah just filled with YouTube memes, um, uh, not a very wow, catchy yeah. song, uh, and that's uh, Beverly, Beverly Hills is in there somewhere that's still like yeah. one of their yeah. biggest singles ever. That's a catchy song, but it's very much like I don't know, it's I don't know, it's not like a beloved song. It doesn't make me feel like I'm driving around California, um, you know, even though it's about Beverly Hills. Uh, sure. But it doesn't have that, like, laid-back California rock and roll feel, like, uh... Hello? Pat, it's Hef. I hear Weezer has a new record coming out. That's true. What do you say you come by the house and play it for the girls? That sounds fine. Uh, do you mind if I bring some friends? Whatever you want. Come on. Just don't bring too many dudes. <laughs> Um, and I will say that that was, like you mentioned Pork and Beans, I think that was the Red album or Ratitude or something. But like Ratitude that whole, probably? That whole era, like I, I, if I bought anything from them, it didn't have staying power. But a few years ago when the White Album came out, I thought I would, I don't know, I just saw it on Apple Music or something and thought I'd give it a chance. And there are some freaking solid songs on there. I, I, I mean, only time it's not old enough for me to know whether that's going to have the same staying power as in my listening of the first four records or first three records, really. But it'll probably be pretty close, and at least a couple of the songs are going to be in regular rotation. And in fact, fun fact is that uh, one of the songs on there is called, I think, Jacked Up. On this girl. Which I yeah, yeah, or maybe it's called Jacked Up. But what, whatever it was, it inspired me to write the song uh, Jacked yeah, Up on These Girls that I did with Crumb. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, completely different songs, but I was listening no, but this to is Weezer record. at the time. Yeah. And, yeah, I, I totally was like, oh, it would be fun to reference a couple of Weezer songs. And, and it's not the first time we've done it either. I mean, Geeky Music for Kids, you have what was, uh, to our listeners, is one of the classic lines. You said something like, I was a nerdy kid before Weezer was cool. What kids say, they've said I was a fool. I was a nerdy kid before Weezer was cool. Use my knowledge wisely, learning as a tool. Knowing information's better, it's the number one rule. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, again, for me, that was a reference to, like, 
we either became, uh, me and my friend called it nerd rock or nerd core. Sure. Yeah. Not, not in like a only, not in like a bad, not in like a negative connotation. It was like, uh, music that was like written like by nerdy, awkward dudes. Like, this is pre emo, like pre Jimmy Eat World, get up kids. Um, yeah. so like, this sure. kind of like nerdy, awkward, emo kind of thing, like pre emo, uh, we call it like nerd rock. And that would be like as opposed to like some of the more, like um, more progressive rock bands that I was getting into, a band called Hum, um, H-U-M, uh-huh. was coming out, yeah. out around the same time in like the mid-90s. We we were calling those guys space rock because it oh, was right. like really yeah. trippy and spacey and like sometimes there'd be like long instrumental, you know, moments and um, like uh, I'd, I'd probably still just call it progressive rock now that I listen to it. Like yeah. don't need to get all the way into it, but um, you know, being a nerdy kid before Weezer was cool because, you know, here's this guy that, you know, looks like Buddy Holly, thinking about looking like Buddy Holly. Right. Um, well, and being kind of well, nerdy yeah. and goofy around girls. And when you when you think about it, too, like a lot of their their uh, style of how they dress and like the, you know, the thick rimmed glasses and all of that stuff, you know, at the time was very nerdy. Um, but I think probably, probably not just them, but like a testament to like how fashion changes and that kind of stuff. A lot oh, of yeah. what, what they were sporting that was nerdy has become a little more mainstream over the years. And, like, I mean, I wear, you know, Ray-Bans. It's, like, very normal to see, like, thick rim glasses and stuff. It doesn't yeah. carry the same nerd connotation that it did when they were first rocking that stuff, you know? Yeah, I, I feel like the uh, early 2000s, like, scene kid culture, like, you know, like, scene oh, kid fashion, yeah. which is all, constantly changing, um, so, like, the early 2000s version of it um, was emulating 90s Weezer because it was, like, you know, thrift store, you know, old, like, sweater uh, or, like, vest uh, sweaters. What do you call it? A sweater vest? Yeah, a sweater vest. Yeah. Like, yeah. like a, a woven, like, a vest and, you know, like, yeah. a, a collared shirt underneath and some uh, fake glasses and, like, but then, like, maybe some Converse on. Um, oh yeah, or, yeah, for you know, sure. or or Doc Martens or something like that. Um, yeah, very much so. Was part of like the indie rock scene that you know uh, it has just changed over the years. But to see it jump from this to that, uh, sure. with it's being put into that culture. Yeah. Well, um, so I I uh, actually one of the places that I saw that was interesting in uh, the other day because I don't I don't watch um, like cable television or anything like that usually. Um, I mean, I don't have it, so um, nothing yeah. against it. I just, I just don't have it. And uh, I was, I was at uh, Comcast the other day trying to get something fixed, and <laughs> just sitting there like you do when you wait. And CNN, no, it was, it was uh, what's, what's uh, ESPN? I was like, what, what's sure. the, what's the sports thing the called? Sport one. Um, <laughs> yeah. So the, the sport network was on the sports ball network, and. Uh, and they were interviewing this guy in in his home. He was some sort of expert on something, and he clearly had carefully arranged the shelving behind him to display the things that were important to him. And you know, he he, he had his you know whatever sports book he wrote uh, was out there. But then he had some albums out, and I thought it was interesting. He had Radiohead and uh, Pinkerton, Weezer's Pinkerton. Oh yeah. Behind him, um, among some other cool records, but it was like those two. And <laughs> cool. cool. I was like, that's kind of really on display. Yeah, yeah, that actually really is. Now, um, 
not not to like just straight up uh, advertise a, a, another podcast that is talking about Weezer Weekly as a full blown series, but there is a uh, a podcast called What's with These Homies Talking About Weezer, um, <laughs> and the host oh, I love is. That. The host is just talking to friends, um, different friends every week. Then they're all like, they're LA based. These are all like, typically comedians or uh, improv yeah. artists and, and stuff like that that are come on to talk about it. And it's been weird to hear these people who, like, um, a lot of these people in the entertainment industry are. I'm the same age as them now. That was totally different when I was young. But to now sure. notice that like actors and people in the entertainment industry are about my age, and a lot right. of their experiences sound so similar to mine. Whether it was like the thoughts they had when they heard a song. And to hear these people right. um, talk about Weezer in the same way, but not in any way I had necessarily talked about before. They were just saying the same huh. thoughts I had. And right. I was just, like, really amazed at how we all kind of had these same feelings at the same time and the same thoughts. And they are just now kind of, like, putting it to words. Um, right. You know, Weezer has – it's been – it's been over uh, 20 – like, over 20 years since the Blue oh, yeah. came out. Oh, yeah. Um, and uh, probably nearing like, the 25th anniversary, honestly. Yeah, and they're they're still putting out albums, and so we're still Great. talking about it because goodness, they touched a nerve in us when we were all, you know, this like 12, 11, 13, 14. Like, um, yeah. I was definitely yeah. like 12 or 13. Uh, it was like 94. Um, yeah, yeah, I think so. Uh, Holy so God. yeah, I think this is the 25th year. That's probably so, that's yeah. probably true. I wonder if they'll put out like a, a special vinyl or something. Gosh, that'd be cool. Like they've already released uh, deluxe editions on Spotify. I don't know if they have like physical copy versions yeah. that you can get, but the deluxe versions are great because they include all the B sides that me and you know, that me and friends would like pretty much trade. Either we've like found us a, a solid, you know, oh, someone yeah. was like making MP3s or burning CDs. Or making mixtapes, like on you know on audio cassette uh, cassette tapes um, of uh, you know B sides that were like really hard to find. You could only get them if you bought like a Japanese import. Or yeah, um, yeah. there's there's a song Suzanne that I really love. by Weezer that is only on the soundtrack for the Kevin Smith movie Mallrats. Um, it only exists there, and it's only in the movie during the credits, and it's one of my favorite songs of theirs. Um, like, all these songs, are there, so they're available on the, the Pinkerton and the uh, the Blue Album Deluxe versions on uh, on digital yes. digital uh, digital streaming. I was thinking of something as I was uh, preparing for this episode. I was thinking about those B-sides, and how some of them I didn't know until I, well, at least one of them, um, I didn't know until I heard you with your guys in, uh, you, you were in the crew, or the, sorry, talking hip-hop, uh, you, you were in the band, the posters, <laughs> and you you guys covered, um, you either covered that song or you covered um, Jamie or whatever.
Yeah, we I, I definitely feel- had a lot of covers under our belt and original tracks because we not only were we playing like regular shows, original music, whatever you know, a seventeen, sure. eighteen year yeah. old kid can write, but um, but we were also playing like the Friday morning rallies before football, oh. home football games. So nice. we weren't playing original music then; we were playing cover sure. songs. So, and we were like, hey, let's also play, I'm sure we would be like, hey, let's throw in this song that we know that other people don't know, but it's a cover song by Weezer. I yeah. I cannot tell you at all what cover songs we played, except that I know we for sure covered a song by a band called Lit, whatever their, my own worst enemy, oh, sure. for some reason, us covering okay. that, that song sticks heavy <laughs> on my mind playing that at rallies. Um, nice. That is really funny, though, that, that that hit you in such a way that I don't even have memory of it. Well, well yeah, I, mean, I, remember it. I, I, re- I remember being at one of your shows uh, supporting you guys and, and checking out yeah. whatever other groups were playing, and and you guys were like, this song's from Weezer. And then you played something I'd never heard. And I was like, what in the world? What, what is this? And I, I think, uh, I don't remember where I got it from you, but I think I had to ask you about it later. Like, what what is this song mm. from? Cause it I don't, could have I don't also know. been Devotion. Devotion is another big song, a B-side of theirs that I'm in love with. Well, I mean, what do you think? What do you think before we get into like Weezer and covers? Like, what do you what do you think about artists doing covers and like what's what's good about it? What's bad about it? Well, I feel like covers in general are can be pretty exciting um, because it's fun to hear an artist take on a song that you. I guess kind of like there's a couple categories of of covers. You cover a standard, like a uh, a song that is so popular that um, everyone knows it, you, and which is like a lot of Beatles songs or like a lot of the songs like Frank Sinatra sang. Um, I, I guess like today a standard, you know, uh, would be like something that's been in pop culture for like a decade now. Um, but then there's also like doing a cover that is an obscure song that is a really good song of an artist and you're going to perform sure. it as an homage to them. And people might go, Hey, what was that one song you played? And they'll be like, Oh yeah, that's a song by so-and-so off of this album. Right. And you should check it out if you liked it because it influenced right. me in a big way. You, you know, that's, I, I noticed that that's a lot of the way covers go. If we're not talking like a band that's just playing at a party for the sake sure. of sure. playing right. a familiar song. Um, right. Uh, uh, the funny thing about um, Weezer putting out a cover album is it didn't seem it it seems like it's more of um it's kind of really hard to unpack what the point of the album is. Um, sure. It's it's a self titled album, but it's all yeah. covers. Uh, it's a um, they're it's it's mostly '80s covers. They're kind of dressed like that, right. but it's not right. really because we also have 
you know, it actually goes all over the place. If you're also talking about the fact that we have Happy Together by the mm-hmm. Turtles on there from like early 60s rock and roll. Um, yeah. And then No Scrubs by TLC, which is like oh, yeah. 1997 or 1998. Um, was it that late? And uh, wow, it, it was definitely like like you and friends your age. I mean, you're you're just like two years older than me. You're actually in the you know. Now that we're older, you're not right, 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 right. the same age. But people in your grade, I would say, because sure. things in high yeah, school. Yeah. Um, I oh, remember yeah, had cars, and people and friends in my grade did not have cars. And I remember that song being on because uh, No Scrubs was used That's amazing. to uh, actually make fun of a a mutual friend of ours. Uh, really? getting called that name a lot in our oh, youth. Oh, no. I don't it was funny because it. there was like a yelling at someone outside of, on the, outside of the passenger side. <laughs> um, and that's when like Scrubs became really, really popular. It was pretty great. Um, oh, that's pretty amazing. Funny. That's just yeah, that's how my mind kind of kind of made a memory of all that. Um, but this the Weezer album uh, is like really faithful reproductions of the albums or the, of the right. bands that made yeah. them made them popular. Um, uh, Af- uh, the track listing uh, we have Africa uh, by Toto, original artist Toto. Everybody Wants to Rule the World by Tears for Fears. Sweet Dreams Are Made of This by the Rhythmics. Take On Me by Aha. Happy Together, The Turtles. So happy together. Paranoid by Black Sabbath. which is the one track on the album in which Brian Bell sings lead vocals on. It is not Rivers Cuomo singing on this album. Ah, um, that makes sense. Uh, yeah, number seven, uh, Mr. Blue Sky by ELO, Electric Black Orchestra. Mr. Blue Sky, please tell us why you had to hide for so long. Uh, no Scrubs. A scrub is a guy that thinks he's fly and is also known as a buster. Billy Jean, Michael Jackson. Billy Jean, not by you. Billy Jean, and stand by me, uh, the classic by Benny e. King. Um, yeah. They're all like just really solid reproductions. Um, like here's that song play. you know, but Rivers is singing it instead of the original artist. <laughs> And, and and I will say on on that front, like Rivers does an incredible job. Like when I saw Billie Jean was on there, for example, I was like nobody can touch what Michael Jackson did. And and I'm not yeah. saying Rivers did a Michael Jackson level performance, but he certainly did about 
as good as one one could do. I'm probably with the help of some computers and stuff, but um, but it's, yeah. it's incredible reproduction. Like even uh, Take on Me is one of my one of my favorite yeah. movies, and I That's felt like another hard they did a, thing. Yeah, they, they they did a solid job. There's there's nothing particularly stand out about any of these songs, but they are like faithful reproductions and incredibly well done, for sure. It's it's uh it's funny because like it it it's been like criticized using the words we just said and like in a negative way like there it's boring or it's it's not interesting or anything like that but it's one of those uh I I I believe it's one of those situations where um the technical skill and talent is actually hidden inside of inside of that like you actually have to be really freaking good at what you're doing um, yeah. Yeah. to record the album the way it sounds. <laughs> like, yeah. it's it, it's not just computers fixing everything. Like, no, and that's, that's true because Weezer is a is a talented band. They are oh, super professional. Their job has been to make music since you know pretty much the Green Album came out and they started touring again. Like that's their life is. Yeah, is, yeah. Is, is is to they work for the organization of Weezer and their job is to put albums out into tour. Um, exactly. And so and, they and what's are wrong with finally like tuned. There's, yeah, there's there's and there's there's to me like as someone who's who hasn't always been in you know actively engaged in the music scene, but always like watching and then intermittently involved. I respect like the nonstop grind that they have had for two decades and absolutely there's nothing wrong with making music like when you have 13 albums or so under your belt you know like there's nothing wrong with going you know what would be fun let's make 10 incredibly smash hits that some of our favorite artists have made like i don't yeah wrong with that yeah they they do so they not only covered Africa, but they, as a single, released uh, Rosanna as a joke. Meet you all the way. Meet you all the way. Rosanna, yeah. Meet you all the way. Meet you all being hounded online to cover Africa. Was, hey, it'd be funny to do Africa. And they're like, okay, cool. And then like, here's <laughs> Rosanna instead. Um, and uh, Oh, that's funny. But Toto is or was a, uh, a another band full of really technically talented musicians. Um, uh, a lot of them were also session musicians on a lot of great pop records. I do not have those specifics at the time. Please don't fact check sure. me right now. Um, but basically, they were a band full of incredibly talented, uh, like technically gifted session musicians. Yeah. But they were also the band Toto, um, and uh, Rosanna's not an easy song. It's got like three different, uh, three different like grooves. There's like the really kind of like swingy uh, verse, um, and then there's the bridge, which goes you know through a really more bouncy, faster time signature. Um, and then it goes like really loose and loud and big and slower on the chorus. And it just keeps repeating that cycle back and forth. Um, 
I don't think it does any key changes, but it's like a very hard song to kind of comprehend when you're like, oh, this actually changes tempo and everything right mid song. Um, but it's a pop, it's a pop track, uh, and and it's great. Um, I think like yeah. uh, other songwriters get away with like hiding technical ability in the middle of pop songs that you don't really <laughs> notice. Like sure. it goes back to even like the way Paul McCartney writes songs. Um, his songs are for the Beatles, and his solo stuff are always super catchy. But if you dissect them, you go, oh, actually, this has got a lot of like music theory wrapped up in it that you don't even notice. Right. And uh, that's I think it's a lot of the same. So it's funny that like they cover a Toto two Toto songs like flawlessly, um, and uh, and um, get told that you know they're boring for it. You know, and that's, that's objective. That might be true. I don't know, and I don't know that I have an opinion on it. I've only listened to this Teal album uh, like three times all the way through, including today, including one time this uh, today before we started chatting, just so I could make sure I had the sure. not out-to-date uh, opinions on it. Um, <laughs> but I was also like really tickled to see it when they when they released it because I was like, oh, cool, here's a Weezer album I don't have to think too much about before I listen to it. Right, because I'm right. just going to be hearing songs I already know. Well, let, let me ask you a couple questions. So, uh, you know, looking at the track listing, uh, for for me, I feel like it's kind of front-loaded. Um, I, I think the first four songs really um, are just really strong and, and solid. Not that the other ones aren't strong, but they're, they really draw you. I think they draw you into the album. Um and for a lot of people, you could probably stop there. Um, but I, yeah. I think, I think you know, you'd be missing out on some gems in, in the rest of it. But nonetheless, I, I'd be kind of curious what maybe your top two or three um, tracks would be from the album, or maybe your least favorite two or three. So uh, my least favorite is probably going to be paranoid um even though i uh it i mean brian bell does a good job selling like ozzy osbourne on that sure. track i could sound think sounds sound like black sabbath it's pretty cool but um I know I've heard that song a million times. Um, I'm also like I'm not really into Happy Together. I feel like it's oh, really? weird on the album. It feels weird yeah. on the album that it's there. Um, sure. Uh, in between Take on Me and Paranoid, um, but it's also like it's it it's right in the middle of the slow part of the album that you mentioned. Like I agree, those first four tracks are great. Um, I would probably put. Uh, gosh, I would. I'd probably put like No Scrubs is probably probably my number one. It's just really well done. It's catchy, and it's it's, it's like so fun. it's really it feels silly. Um, it feels like. TLC have apparently praised them for their covers, um, you know, saying that they did a really good job of it. Um, well, and it's, it's the most original sounding of them all because it doesn't, yeah. it, they, they had to, like, 
recreate it in a different way. Whereas a lot of the they other... Had to re- yeah, that's true. They had to rewrite it because they went from like a studio-produced uh, exactly. track, um, you know, made for vocalists to, to, to feature vocalists, you know, the singer yeah. in TLC, exactly. um, to being a band song. Um, and it's really fun. It's kind of funny that Rivers, uh, you know, who's cisgendered, you know, uh, straight and all that, because, you know, we're talking about covers here. What do you do when the cover is written from some a different perspective than your own. Oh, yeah. um, do you do you change it or do you stick with it? And when you see like Ryan Adams when he covered Taylor Swift 1989, uh in at least one of the songs he changes uh the the gender of the person he's singing about um so that it's no longer sung from Taylor Swift's perspective but it's sung from Ryan Adams' perspective, right? <laughs> I said no one has to know what we do His hands are in my hair, his clothes are in my room And his voice is a familiar sound Nothing lasts forever But this is getting good now He's so tall and handsome as hell He's so bad but he does it so well And when we've had our very last kiss My last request is I Rivers decided, you know what, we're just going to keep it the same and let's do it. And uh, I I read that he actually saw that uh, someone had tweeted something like, look, if you're a dude and you're covering a song, you need to just you just keep it the same. It doesn't matter. You're going to be gay for three minutes and that's what, that's what you're going to be. And so he thought that that would be fun to just do it that way. And I just wanted to see what you thought about that. I really, I actually think I really like that. I think it could depend on like what your point is of covering a song. Sure. Um, cause in this case, like he's, he's singing the part of, uh, you know, from he's singing a Teal song, but it, it sounds like he's doing it from TLC's perspective, um, right. rather than, Hey, I'm singing this song, uh, today. Um, sure. so it's from my perspective. Sure. Um, but I'll, I mean, I'll, and I kind of, but I do kind of like that philosophy going into attempting to cover, uh, a song, that you know, one might be inclined to to swap around details like that. Right. Um, uh, I don't. I don't think you. Sh- I don't know that I agree with like the black and white though. Of uh, hey, if you, you know, you should just own it for three minutes. Um, <laughs> I think it. I think you can like do it artistically. Like, sure. Because uh, I mean, you might want. I don't know. I, I also feel like uh, there's there's a lot of room to you know people often sing songs on their on albums from not from their perspective they didn't just put out 10 songs right. that when they That's wrote it you're hearing the story of them personified um That's in true. every, in every that is track true. so like hearing true. you know a woman that you know a cisgendered woman that presents as heterosexual might sing a song with you know loving loving uh tomes towards another woman but understand that you know it, it doesn't affect their personal life um, yeah, I, I think wasn't that how 
Sixpence on the Richer did Kiss Me. That may or, be because of... Or There She Goes, one of the one of those. Oh, yeah, There She Goes, yeah. She there, she goes. there She That's Goes, which one. was originally sung, uh, you know, from a dude to uh, about a, a girl, I guess, that he liked, but... But yeah, uh, thinking in the back of my head, there was an example from them. That's a great example. That's a very good example, actually. That was a great song. Great song. Yeah, it's it. Oh man, so we were. Oh, I still owe you another top track. Um, oh, sorry. Uh, which I, I'm probably gonna go with uh, a dark horse here and go with Mr. Blue Sky by Electric Light okay. Orchestra because I I really love that song. Um, I really love the original and I feel like the cover is is also really fun. Um, and it's not. Uh, I'm purposely also not you know picking the first four, because those are really good, really good tracks. So I think uh, No Scrubs and Mr. Blue Sky, they're in a great part of the album. Um, they're really well done. I just particularly like Mr. Blue Sky. Um, and then you've got, yeah, really you know, after well No Scrubs, you've got uh, Billie Jean, uh, and then you've got uh, Stand By Me, which, you know, you could probably, on the same grounds as uh, Happy Together, say doesn't belong sure. there, but I disagree because it's a closer. It's the last yeah. track on an album, and Weezer, in my opinion, um, has had a history of their last, their first and last tracks always mean something, um, yeah. or you know they're there on purpose. Oh, I, got, I, I imagine a lot of artists do that. Now that I'm saying that out loud, but uh, when they when they when they make an album, I mean that's true for you and me. When we make an album, the last track is yeah. saying something. Um, for sure. But Stand By Me at the end, it's a great closer. It's a classic song. Everyone can sing along with it. Um, but I, I, th- I think that's that's an important point, though, um, to to mention, because a lot of times it doesn't, when, when you dissect an album, a lot of times it doesn't feel like there was a whole lot of thought put into the order of the songs. Um, but when an artist is, is pretty obvious about it, uh, I think I think it's very powerful, and I agree with you that I think Weezer has has had a history of, of starting and finishing deliberately and and strong. Um, so I feel like as a finisher, I definitely agree with you. Stand by me, I think is uh, e- even though it's not necessarily a standout song for me, I think out of no, the yeah, makes sense for to sure. close on that note. Totally makes sense. So, if you've made it this far, um, so so for me, I think I generally, you know, I generally uh, agree with with your highlights. I did I did feel like the first four were so solid um, that just from a listening standpoint, and and I've listened to this album many times. Um, I think I just kind of like dropped unexpectedly at the right moment for me, and the the vibe of the album was kind of. Late January was really what I needed. It was kind of a pick me up. Um, not that I was going yeah. through anything in particular. I just, I just needed a soundtrack to pick me up a little bit. And uh, so this kind of went into heavy rotation right away. And I've probably been listening to about once a week since then. Um, wow. But 
Yeah, so so I've I've spent a little more time with it than I even expected, honestly. Uh, but those first four songs to me um, are just just super solid. But you know, out of those four, I think I'm with you that I think Africa is just so technically proficient and incredible that uh, I and and to be honest, it's the the original I like it, but it's never been something I've ever really sought out. I think mm. listening to Weezer's Africa is like the first time I ever went. I want to listen to Africa, you know. <laughs> That's so funny. So I'm I'm really really digging that. Uh, but I think overall, like the most fun song for me uh, was what they did with No Scrubs, um, honestly. And then and then for yeah. least favorite, uh, probably Paranoid. But um, really, like I respect Black Sabbath, but I don't really listen to Black Sabbath, right? So. Sure. Uh, so for me, it was never really a song that I had ever paid much attention to. So hearing a cover didn't didn't necessarily uh, make me pay more attention to it. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, Paranoid is actually a song that uh, I have. I feel like I have heard covered a lot. Um, really? Like it's it's like which is kind of a bummer because to me that was actually my first exposure to like old Black Sabbath, like uh, AKA good Black Sabbath um, or good Ozzy Osbourne. Um, and, but the only, but the only thing I knew really about Black Sabbath was the song Paranoid. I'd heard covers of it and, I, and the covers of it, I don't think really did it justice, but even hearing the original Paranoid by Black Sabbath, I was like, Oh, okay. This sounds like an Ozzy song. Um, honestly, it was like probably two years ago. I was showing my friend, uh, one of my favorite bands these days, uh, King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard, um, and they uh, put out an album that has a, uh, I was being told, had a very Black Sabbath sound to it. And I was like, that's interesting because I love this album. <laughs> um, why don't I know that about Black Sabbath? I listened to yeah. everything but the song Paranoid from the album Paranoid by Black Sabbath. And I went, oh, I that's actually amazing. like Black Sabbath. <laughs> I was like, this is really good. Um, like, it, it sounds, it sounds, it's really good. It's a really good album. If you're in, if, if that, if you're in the mood for what they have to offer there, it's just really good. Like, really, I don't know. It, it's, it's a really special album. Um, and I don't think making Paranoid the go-to song from it, the title track, uh, actually does that album justice. Uh, I, I feel like I owe it to Black Sabbath to mention that on this podcast so that it's out there in the world. Um, <laughs> because, I thought that was really interesting. And then uh, Weezer's cover of it, it sounds like um, they did a good job sounding like, uh, I mean, Brian sounds like, like Ozzy. He did a really good job. This Teal album and uh, where it exists on the timeline um, feels like it made sense. I hadn't really heard from Weezer since, like, what, last summer or so when they put on an album. Yeah. Um, and, I again, I felt overwhelmed um, that they were putting out another album because I was like, I need to have an opinion on this because sure. uh, I'm a fan of these guys. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I don't know if this has even been mentioned on your show yet, but I mean, my son is named after a Weezer song. Um, oh yeah. That's gotta be. And I sure. have <laughs> that tattoo on my arm. Like I, I have, I have the name of a Weezer song on my album. <laughs> I have a name of a Weezer song on my arm and my son. That's is named awesome. That song. So it's, uh, you know, I feel like if I could flex my credentials on the subject matter um, of why why when they put out more music, it makes me, it kind of gives me anxiety because as 
a longtime fan of theirs. I'm like, oh, I I don't want to I don't want to hate an album. Sure. Um, because yeah. I just haven't been into their stuff. So, um, uh, yeah. but the Teal album, uh, like you said, it came out at a great time. It was kind of like a dull January music wise. It, it kind of felt like, um, and to have this like really fun album come out, which is like, uh, I've been playing it at work. Uh, all, all of our employees take turns, um, like picking an album to put on our playlist. And so it's been really oh. fun, you know, to hear like, you know, Coworkers want to put on this this album, or to put it on, and, and it it like immediately starts conversations with customers when we're doing coffee <laughs> service. So like all of a sudden you have a, you're having a conversation about Weezer, you're having a conversation about the song they're covering, and you're having a conversation about the band that originally played that song. That's all in one moment, and you get to you know either like make all the old jokes about I didn't realize Weezer put any albums out past Green Album or Tinkerton, <laughs> right. Um, yeah. the, the funny thing is, um, you know, and then uh, a couple of weeks ago they put out the Black Album, which I, I still haven't, I don't know much about it all either. Um, but I, I do think it's interesting. <laughs> it's very as, poppy. As, oh, awesome. Um, I, I notice as, as time has gone on, you know, Weezer still has a massive fan base. They are very involved online with their fan base. Um, I am not interactive with them online, but I'm not interactive with any artists that I like in general visual right. or musical or otherwise. <laughs> so that's not a thing I do. So, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not part of that world, but I do find it interesting that like, I think the only person I know that likes Weezer in a way that like a new album is out. So you listen to it gleefully. I, I believe you're the only person I know that's like that. Um, which I find interesting <laughs> that they are, they are such a massive band and they still have such a huge following, but none of the, none of those people are, uh, Right. Are in my circle. Um that is so like I never actually have I never actually have fans with uh, or conversations with fellow Weezer fans um about a new album coming out. It's pretty much just with you. I find that curious. That's interesting. I, I, I now that I think about it too, I don't know that I talked to anybody about Weezer. Um So except, are there fans for you you and a few other people? Miners? Are they yeah, children? No. So I don't have. They're not in my my pers- my. Pers- I don't know. Well, I, <laughs> like, I I will say it's it's interesting when because uh, I I did listen to some of the albums today uh, just in the background while I was working that that I hadn't really paid much attention to if any uh, in the past and I noticed that like there's certain common themes on like almost every album right like mm-hmm. they they don't get that adventurous lyrically let's just be honest i mean they yeah it's you know lots of love songs lots of disappointments uh and lots of stoner rock i mean yeah it's it seems like at least from Hashpipe on every album has (laughs) one or two drug songs you know (laughs) and and so like and and even the Hashpipe, when you think about that i mean these were older dudes and they were trying to still make teenage yeah i felt
I felt a little off brand when it came when it first came out. I was like, I, I feel yeah. weird that I'm like, I, I mean, it was a little more taboo, a bit more taboo back then. But uh, sure. among for that kind of conversation among yeah. me, my peers yeah, and friends, sure. but uh, for that song to come and be like, this is just a song about uh, smoking hash and having a hash pipe. <laughs> and, but it's like just a goofy like skater rock song. Um, and yeah. uh, it, and it's and it's it's honestly the name of the track is just from a a really quick line in the chorus that doesn't seem to actually make that that much sense. Right. Um, right. You have your whatever, I've got my hash pipe. Um, but they, they, the verses they, don't really make sense. They've since gone on to be, like, a, a lot more ex- explicit. I mean, and then, uh, if I remember correctly, this afternoon when I was hearing this song called, like, Let's Eat Cake, um, I'm pretty sure that one was about dropping acid or something. I don't know. I need to pay attention to the lyrics, Funny. but... In the background, I was listening. I was like, "Yeah, this is definitely another drug song," you know. <laughs> but That's funny. but I, uh, the, the reason I bring all that up is like, well, two two things. I mean, in in reaction to your question of like, who is listening to them? I feel like you might be onto something when you say, you know, maybe maybe it's that they just keep reaching the next batch of like college kids or something. Yeah, you know, exactly. Is it like nineteen to twenty two year olds every time? It could be. I I don't know. It could be. Um, and and so then my other question, maybe this will be kind of like wrap up the discussion with this is, so if if Rivers you know stepped off a curve and got hit by a bus tomorrow, uh, what would you what do you think is the legacy of Weezer? Uh, I think net positive for sure. I think they will always be beloved regardless of of you know how other albums rubbed. Uh, I, I would, I guess, they, however, their other albums rubbed me, uh, whether just being not interesting or I'm just not into like listening to what they're doing based on their previous work. Um, but uh, you know, I, I feel like we uh, that would be, uh, you know, they, uh, Weezer would be mourned if we didn't get to hear them again. Um, yeah. Uh, like it, it'd be, it'd be a bummer. Um, I mean, I would still love to see them live i have not never seen sure. them live um, yeah that would be cool oh gosh i uh i mean there there was gosh i should have brought this up back uh, when we were talking about me being in the band the posters uh because not we had the opportunity <laughs> well we had the opportunity to open up for them um the, uh, what yeah i have you missed this, that this, uh, <laughs> this is a very connected story. I mean, if if you don't remember, I'll I'll remind you right now. Uh, we got invited to open up for Weezer. They were actually doing a series of shows around California before the Green Album came out. But it was like a hype tour. They were getting people hyped about the fact they were re- there was a reunion. Um, okay. So they were booked. They were booked to play Jerry's Pizza um, in like July or late June, of, late July or June of two thousand. Um, okay. Unfortunately, I had already spent money and booked plane tickets and bought tickets to go with you to uh, Florida that summer. Uh, so you and I, I forgot were about in that. Florida doing, you know, jumping around Florida. We were doing Roll Ruckus stuff in Nashville. Um, we're doing other other stuff wow. in, outside of Atlanta. Um, that that road trip that, that or that. Uh, airplane ride and and then bus trip we took around the country that summer which I Dang. am grateful for it got me out of the house it like really made me see the world at sure 19 it was an incredible old. experience but or, and um, that you but I uh, 
I totally um, turned down the opportunity. We were number one pick to open up uh, for that uh, show. Um, luckily, completely uh, forgotten about that till now. That's amazing. Luckily, I believe uh, Johnny Shock got the offer after uh, oh, local yeah. band Johnny Shock, sure. a mutual friend yeah. of ours in that band, got the offer to play, and so they ended up playing, which was great. Um, yeah, but that uh, I kind of that would have been a good fit too. But that was I got crap. Too. Crap for that. I probably I would bet. still get crap for that if I made a visit to Bakersfield today and saw some friends. Yeah. They would probably remind me about that. Yeah, um, probably. <laughs> um, my gosh. Yeah, uh, instead you were hanging out in Nashville doing Christian music stuff instead of playing yeah. music. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying you made a bad decision, but uh, you know, what an uh, incredible you know, experience you missed out on, though. Dang. On an alternate timeline, that happened, but maybe in that timeline, I'm, I also didn't end up moving to Nashville and, right, uh, right, 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 right. you know, a lot of other stuff. So uh, I'm, I'm happy we are where we are today, and I feel like yeah. my relationship with, uh, with Weezer is, is a pretty, it's still pretty healthy. <laughs> so, still incredible, still incredible. Uh, I, I, I do, you know, one consolation prize though, around that same time. I was able to uh, get us a show where we opened for Phantom Planet. So not as cool oh, yeah. as we were, but... <laughs> I have, you know, I have, like, some, hey, here's some cool stuff I did while I was playing rock and roll in these bands, but I've also got... Here's a lot of really, really cool stuff that happened while I was in Royal Ruckus, uh, you know, when we were touring back in the day. You know, I mean, even today a conversation came up where I got to mention uh, Summer Jam Tour 2003 where we were the oh, yeah. opener for my... Um, I like I like to call us the opener for Michael Tate of DC Talk, even though we were actually sure. opening up for uh, for new songs. We got I do the same thing. I do the same um, thing. Yeah, absolutely. It's like uh, we're talking about uh, for, we're we're having a conversation at work about like what was your first album, and I think one of one of my friends mentioned uh, it, was, it was probably like DC Talk or something like that. Sure. <laughs> like oh my gosh, that's great. Well, yeah, and and with Tate too. I mean, we. I think we like. I don't remember ever talking to the new song guys, but like we actually were on Tate's bus for part of the tour. Yeah, we got so, to hitch a ride. Yeah, so I mean, it's like, you know, they, there was definitely more of a connection with the guy, and then like also, I don't know if you remember this, but we kind of risked off the success of Jesus Freak, and because um, he would oh, yeah, play, right. he would play that song. That was like their massive hit. And we'd be like, they got their freaks, but where's our geeks? And that always got the crowd riled really up. That's true. I forgot about that. That was great. Yeah, yeah. They, there's actually on royalty check. There's uh, there there's a reference to that on the song. I like that. She was gushing with the words and blushing on her cheek. She said, "I was a Jesus freak and a ruckus nation geek." Uh, basically, <laughs> in that song, there's a character who uh, who comes up to me at a show, and she was a big. A big geek and a freak. And, yeah, that's uh, that, right. That was definitely a reference to Summer Jam. So. That's right. Yeah, boy! I probably listened to the Blue Album within the last week. I've listened to Pinkerton within the last two weeks. Um, I, man, I've listened to Phantom Planet within the last two weeks, too. Uh, come to, yeah. Come to that's cool. Them. Probably even Save Ferris within the last uh, couple months. Uh Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, Who else we opened that up for on show, that very right? Phantom Planet. Yep, exactly. I, show. Um, I don't know why I forgot about Say Ferris. Uh, yeah, they were, dude. That they was were tight. bigger. That was than a great Planet, show. Yeah, no, they were huge. Uh, they were very huge at that moment. Um, I, I, I guess I just always think of Phantom Planet because I was a bigger Phantom Planet fan. You know. Yeah, but. dude. Phantom Planet. Uh, <laughs> that's that's right. The drummer. That was great. 
pretty crazy. This guy moved on to to film, film and television. That was good. Stuff. Uh, I feel like I've, uh, I feel like I've, you know, I, I honor them uh, through my, my, my child and through my tattoo and. Uh, I know it's it's funny that a band uh, that just writes you know pretty solid rock and roll uh, has touched so many and has like made us yeah. able to connect connect over something, um, connect with a stranger or a family member, a longtime friend over this yeah. band that yeah. you know ultimately makes like really lighthearted kind of goofy uh, goofy rock right. and roll. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, they, it, it, I I uh, I forgot to tell an anecdote earlier, but because we were talking about Phantom Planet, it popped back in my head. Because um, we we played that show at, at Cal State University Bakersfield, and yeah. um, you know I I went there in the early days of Royal Ruckus, and I had um, I was remind the first I, I really the first Weezer song that I really connected to on a personal level. Is gonna be kind of funny. It's called the Pink Triangle. Oh yeah! And you know the the idea of the song, of course, for those that haven't heard it, is the long and short of it is the singer, the you know protagonist, or however you want to say it. Uh, he's really into this this girl, and she's actually a lesbian, and she's not interested, and he's bummed out about it. And it's just like uh, it's kind of just a silly angle for a song, you know? Yeah, it's kind of cute. And uh, I, you know, I thought it was a funny song and didn't think much of it. And then I was in this art class and one of our projects in this art class in college was to make like a diorama of someone we care about, like a diorama, like a, you know, shoebox diorama with uh, pictures and different things and put the, the things you care about in there. And I did Mandy Moore because I was a huge Mandy Moore. Mm -hmm. I had a big, you know, little pop crush. And, of course, that was part of the Chun-J persona at the time. (laughs) Chun-J loved Mandy Moore. You know, a lot of it was just being silly, you know. Um, But I made the diorama, and we were supposed to partner up with someone and share our dioramas. And this girl I had this huge crush on, I was able to get... I I actually gave her a flyer to a show one time. I was hoping she'd come out, and then maybe we could know each other outside class. And um, and we partnered up, and I was so excited. And I'm showing her my Mandy Moore diorama, and that was her turn to show me her diorama. That was for her ex-girlfriend. And oh. as we as we got talking, I realized she was not going to be interested in me in any way, shape, or form. And then all of a sudden, uh, Pink Triangle became a personal anecdote for me. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's it's so funny. I, you know, I have no idea what that woman is is doing these days. But every time I hear that song, I think of her. I hope she's well. So <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's good. That's a good way to look at that too. That's, that's one of those kind of funny things about life is you know sometimes you're accidentally attracted to people that you it's just never gonna happen. So. Wait, never gonna happen. <laughs> it's not gonna happen. Don't worry about it. You know? <laughs> oh, Well, man, I I do appreciate your time. It's been fun, uh, yeah, you know, has, doing another show with you. Um, is there any anything you're working on that you want to share, or uh, yeah, so uh, or whatever? You know, uh, give me a follow on Instagram, MP Walker, M P W A L K E R. It's private, but I might let you follow me. Uh, <laughs> 
Um, if you're in the Austin area, um, I occasionally do play shows out. Uh, I play keyboard uh, with my friend um, Anthony. Uh, he performs under the name Anthony Miguel. We play a lot of uh, hip hop, uh, um, R&B, kind of jazzy, uh, kind of jazzy thing. Uh, we're almost full band. Um, I keep play keyboard. We got a bass player and a guitar player, and um, put on a, we have, you know, have fun. Put on a good show. Um, that and I've, I've been, I've, I've dug the, the, the things that I've seen on Instagram, a couple things that you've Yeah, man, it's, pretty, been, pretty it's been a lot of fun. I, I get to play keyboards in a band, and I've never actually done that before. I've always played guitar, bass, or drums. Sort of like, be able to just play, play piano, like my job is to play piano, and like, you know, Rhodes and organ, like, it's yeah. been a lot of fun. It's, it's a whole new, it's kind of a new thing for me. Um, so that's, that's happening... Awesome. Um, and then, I don't know, uh, I imagine, uh, probably sometime soon you and I will probably have a, have another uh, collaboration or World Ruckus project moved along. Yeah, I, for sure. I would, I would suspect, uh, nothing to say about that though, except, uh, <laughs> go download well, all of World Ruckus that you can off of, uh, iTunes and stream it 24 hours a day on Spotify. I I uh I will I will leak this much. I mean, for, first of all, uh we are getting ready to probably drop at the same time as this episode. So, uh or around the same time as this episode is we're about to drop another music video for the album Royalty Check and you're actually in this video, which yeah. is hilarious. So, um so check that out, you know, for listeners get check that out on YouTube and then uh, we should have like one more video for Royalty Check, and then, believe it or not, I've got a couple of secret videos from uh, older material that are going to be releasing this year, which is pretty exciting. Oh heck yeah! And then, and then uh, I'm I'm going to keep some of that under wraps until we get closer. But there's something from World of Chaos Rapper that's still going to drop, and there's actually something from Summer of the Cicadas. So ooh, yeah, awesome. so yeah, that's really so cool. It's, well, I've got all kinds of surprises up my sleeves, and then, um, and then, you know, technically, we're working on a couple of projects right now, or at least, or I should say, I'm working on a couple of projects right now, and uh, you will be working on them to some extent, uh, you know, yeah. over the course of this year. So, uh, but yeah. I'm I'm trying not to spread myself too thin because, as 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 you know, you you know, you want the quality to to uh, exceed. Productivity, if you can. <laughs> yes, we aren't as talented as Weezer to put out an album every six months. Right. So, yeah, <laughs> that exactly. takes a lot of talent. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right. So, uh, fun story. This would be back in 2016. Uh, if you remind me when you came to Austin and uh, you were there at the same time that our friends. Uh, uh gosh uh, James Abercrombie and uh and Carla were uh visiting Austin yeah. at the same yeah, time as right. you yeah. um and uh I had actually um started working on a, a fun little like a uh, compilation um with some friends some music friends online uh that it was a challenge uh, write a song in the style of Weezer so That's I went awesome. and took that challenge I figured hey if I just uh, if I just take the template of songwriting from the Blue album and just go with that. So to me, that meant like a really simple one-two drum beat, really simple bass line that just played the root note on the ones and, you know, on the downbeats. Um, you have a, a, a verse, a chorus, 
a verse, a chorus, a bridge, a guitar solo, a chorus, and then you end, but you like have guitar feedback at the beginning and the end. Um, you do some uh, falsetto uh, background vocals <laughs> here and there. Um, and so I ended up writing a song called uh, Turn Me Around, and uh, it is available on SoundCloud. Um, and I believe uh, we can get a link to that in the description of this show. Yeah, I'll put that on the show notes cool. for sure. Well, thanks, dude. I appreciate your time. And uh, for all yeah, the brother. listeners, you know, please uh, check us out, Royal Ruckus Official and at Royal Ruckus, uh, depending on the network. And then, uh, you know, if you can help us get the word out about this podcast. I've been kind of a little little inconsistent lately, but uh, I brought a couple people on to help me get things together. So we got a little bit of a team. I think I think we got um, got a lot of good stuff coming down the pike. So. Anyway, you are listening to Brews, Beards, and Shipwrecks, and uh, I'm Sean Jay from Royal Ruckus, also known as Jamie Bennett, and I'm here with my partner in crime, Flatline, who's also known as... Uh, Mike Walker, M.P. Walker. (laughs) 